0: So we were so blessed yesterday to have uh, Mike Stone speaking to our men, and uh, uh, he's going to hear again this morning. Give Mike a warm welcome. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. Can you hear me pretty good? Is this good? Can you guys hear me? I'm going to piggyback real quick because that's what the Lord laid on my heart. It's one thing to say we have victory. And it's another thing to have victory. Does that make sense? We can proclaim victory with our mouth. But the true question is, is does my life display victory? We don't have victory one hour on a Sunday. If we don't have victory Monday through Saturday, we don't have victory on Sunday. And the message that the Lord laid upon my heart is a vision that each and every single individual in here needs to have. Because many of us are confused because we show up to church and we get all excited and our emotions get all moving. And then we go back outside and we live the same way defeated, chained in sin, bounded in iniquity. And we come back confused. Because we come back in here and claim victory that we don't have yet in our lives. Yet we cover it up as if we do, like he's saying with the leprosy. The scripture text today is about a personal vision that Isaiah had, but that each and every individual needs in their own life. And it's in Isaiah 6. give you the the history on the background. I'm not big on Greek and Hebrew because that's not what's going to change your life. The power of the word of God, like he says, going forth into your heart and the Holy Spirit illuminating it inside of you is what changes our lives. Only God can convict the heart. Only God can do any kind of miraculous change within you. Only God. But you see, these people of Isaiah... That Isaiah was raised up to preach against. These were God's people. These were people who were delivered out of Egypt. God parted the Red Sea for them. He did. He sent redemption his way. He sent food. He sent all of these things their way. And they continued to backslide against him. They were living in idolatry. With sexual immorality. Drunkenness homosexuality. They were living like pagans in the world. And sadly, many of the things that we see in people's lives who claim to be Christians are the exact same things we see with people in the world. And it breaks the heart of God. And it breaks the Spirit of the Lord. And some of you in here have tasted the Spirit of God and you have compromised your life and you have felt the life of God and the presence of the Holy Spirit quench from your life because you know you've grieved him and sometimes the greatest love that God can do is raise up a man and a prophet to proclaim a word of God that can possibly turn you from the error of your way back into the hands of the living God. So right now in this calling, we see God raising a man up. This is the vision that Isaiah has. It says in the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphim, each one had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another, said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken. By the voice of him who cried out, and the voice was filled with smoke. A lot of times when we read the Bible, you know, we read it just like, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Who was and is and is coming. I doubt that that's how that scenario was played out in the life of Isaiah. And some of us in here who have experienced change, the first thing we do is we see God high and lifted up. Because God is the one who is high and lifted up. And here are these beings. We can't picture this in our minds. But it's like human beings with these wings. And all they're doing is declaring the holiness of God. Right? And so when you come face to face with the holiness of God. This is the only way you can respond. Isaiah says. Woe is me for I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And when you see God high and lifted up, and you see the robe filled of the temple, and you come into the holy presence of God, the one thing you see is how wicked you are. And you can only cry out, Woe is me, for I am unclean, I am unworthy. Right? And then all of a sudden you see we're all unworthy, we're unclean. That's a cry of repentance in itself. Acknowledging God's holiness, acknowledging he is the one who sits on the throne and coming forth, like pastor said, with your leprosy and saying, I am wicked, I am unclean. The beauty is, is that God, when he's high and lifted up on this throne, doesn't leave you unclean. He doesn't leave you with leprosy. This is the importance of every single one of us experiencing this in our own lives. Because this is what happens next after you realize how wicked you are and you come into the holy presence of God in your life. This is what happens next. And this is the beautiful thing in which Christ has done. One of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with tongs from the altar, And then he touched my mouth with it and said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. That's what God does in our life. He came and took the coal. Does anyone know what the altar was? It's what the sacrifice was on, right? Christ. Jesus Christ was the sacrifice. He's provided a way for each and every one of us to become clean. Amen. And what the Lord has done here is, He takes the coal. He didn't say, "Here, I'll touch it on the other parts where He was when He was clean." Right? He says, "I have unclean lips." So, what did the Lord touch? His unclean lips. He purifies you, sanctifies you, consecrates you to Himself if you allow Him to. This is usually what comes next after this amazing experience that God has done in your life after you've experienced this cleansing. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, this is Isaiah, here I am, send me. If you've ever been clean by the Holy Ghost, if you've ever been set free, if you've ever experienced this cleansing, this vision, this new life in Christ, The only thing you can do when you see a lost world is you say, God, send me. I will go. I will go. Then he said, go and tell this people. They keep on hearing, but they do not understand. This is what happens a lot of times. They keep on seeing, but they do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and shut their eyes lest they see with their eyes and actually hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return and be healed. Many times we're blind, we're deaf. But if we would only hear what the Spirit says to the churches, we would turn from our wicked ways in the error of our way. And what, what does he say? We will be healed. There is healing for whatever you're going through. There's victory. Jesus has overcame. The question is, has he overcame in your life today? In our society and in our world, we love apologetics. We try to convince people of Jesus' uh, his life, his earthliness. We try to convince that he was here. We, we dig all kinds of things. We want scientific proof. And the Lord says, a foolish and wicked generation desires a sign. And sometimes here we are in our own foolishness. We want a sign, right? We always want a sign. Lord, if you're real, you know, we try to lay out the fleece. Come back the next day. Right? We do that. And we try to talk to people. And instead of preaching the gospel of repent for the kingdom of God is near. This is the next vision. We, we want to try to convince you. Well, what if I said, huh, I know you don't believe in that, but let me think. We try to find all these ways to appease to the intellect of man. If we appease to the intellect of man, it is easy to start cleaning out the outside of me to make myself look better. This is what pastor was talking about. But it's only the word of God that cuts deep to the heart that can change you from the inside out. It is the only Holy, only the Holy Spirit spoken in power that can touch your heart, that can change your life. No Greek, no Hebrew, no trying to tell me, hey, you know, in 15 BC, you know, they found this one architect here. And then they, it's, have you ever tried to get in a battle? I have. Has anybody ever tried to come, like, and do apologetics? It's like this, round and round and round and round. And really, they have faith in what they believe, and atheists hate saying that. So do evolutionists. They have faith in what they believe. They've never seen a monkey turn into a human being. So they have faith in what they believe. No, there's proof. No, there's not. Do you want to know how I know that Jesus Christ is real? Because I used to be this way, He touched me, He cleansed me, He healed me, and now I'm this way. Glory be to God, because that's the only way. That's how we can tell that we've been healed, that we've been changed. This is the other vision that the church needs to see. That'll put a fire in our heart. And a fire in our lives. Sadly, when men rise up like Isaiah Isaiah, and he comes and preaches the word, I don't know if you ever read the book of Isaiah, but some of the things he says, you're like, (sighs) right? He's not preaching things that are pleasing to your ears. God loves you too much to leave you the way you are. God loves you too much to let you live in sin. That's the beauty. He loves you so much, he's willing to send a brother to come at you with a hard rebuke. And says, wake up. Why? Because I love you. His heart breaks through this entire book. We we love grace, but we hate the wrath and judgment that comes if you're not living in that grace. But throughout this entire book we see the mercy of god, the redemption of god, the judgment of god, the wrath of god, the holiness of god. They're all all of it's in here from Genesis to Revelation. It's the same thing. It was by grace of god that they could even throw a bull on an altar for to cover their sin. That was by grace. And he showed even more grace when he sent his son. And in Hebrews it says If the penalty was death for you who trampled over the blood of bulls and goats, how much worse is it for you who trample over the blood of Jesus Christ? When I read that, I'm like, this book is serious, y'all. This book is not a pseudo faith. When I read this, I believed it and it changed my life. Jesus Christ changed my life, and that's what pastor's talking about. Every single one of us in here needs to experience the change within ourselves. If not, you're here for, I don't even know why, you're just having a, you just show up like a country club or something like a place to hang out. I'm gonna go to church today, meet some good people, right? But if we're not here to lift up the glory of God, if we're not here to worship and praise an almighty King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Alpha and the Omega, from the beginning and to the end, then we're here for the wrong reason. If you're here because you want to make yourself feel good, you're here for the wrong reason. But if we come clean, you're here for the right reason, to be healed. I was here when pastor preached a message about the waters, the living waters. If you come to Jesus for that, then that's what you're going to get. Living waters. That's what you're going to get. Freedom. Humble yourself. Come to the Lord and be healed. Don't stay blind. And so many times we preach this message to people to, that, that, that really know you. And so you're like, man, you need Jesus. I became a Christian today. And they're looking at you and they're like, man, you still don't look any different than me. So why are you telling me I need Jesus? Oh, you just need him. I'm serious. But there's no change. That's confusing. Why do I need Jesus then if you act the same way I do? What, what do you have different? People on the outside of the church say there's just as much divorce out here as there is in there. There's just as much pornography that people watch in their hearts behind closed doors in here as there is out there. The Bible says judgment starts in the house of the Lord. It's time to come clean. God searches the hearts, the minds, and the motives of men. He does. Not men. I think I told Brother Nick this the other day. I don't want to be the judge. Because if I was the judge, I'd have to throw myself in hell first. And then I couldn't judge anyone else. I know what I deserve. And I know what the Lord gave me. And because of the freedom, because he paid the price, I'm going to live the life. Because it didn't come cheap. It came at the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That's not cheap. The next vision that I want to go to is in Revelations. Revelations 20. And it's the great white throne of judgment. For some reason, hell and judgment, we like to just throw that out. That does not sound good. And you're absolutely right. It's not supposed to sound good. At all. And if it did, it probably wouldn't be a place where we would go. Right? Let's be serious here. Leonard Ravenhill wrote a book, and it's called Why Revival Terries. And this is a vision that the church, if we call ourselves Christian, if you don't call yourself a Christian and, and you don't believe this, then that's totally something else. But if you call yourself a Christian and you, and you have a profession of faith and you say, I believe that the word of God is the inerrant word of God, not what liberals say, well, only 80% of it's right. No, 100% of it's right. 100% of it is Holy Spirit-inspired. There are no flaws, because if you say there are a flaw in the word of God, then your whole theology is out the window. But if we believe this, I think that we would live differently. If we believe this, I think we would pray differently. If we believe this, I think we would do whatever it cost for our lost family members and everything else. And I'm not talking about running out there and bashing people over the head, yelling judgment and hell and fire. Because that's not where the battle's won. The battle's won in prayer. And then when the Spirit of the Lord tells you to speak, you better speak. Because as Ezekiel, it says, if I tell you to speak and you don't speak, then their blood's on your hands. When I read that, I was like, <sighs> has the Lord ever told you to speak something to somebody and you're like, Lord, I can't tell them that? You know? And He's like, you better if you want to save their life. And you don't do it. You try to put it off, and it's like the hand of the Lord, like David says, is it was heavy upon me, right? So you come up to them humbly, brother. This is, and it's almost like it's like this is what the word of the Lord says. You know? you know, just read it. You know, really, if we just read it, nobody would have to tell you. That's what he says in Corinthians. If you judged yourselves, you wouldn't be judged, right? But if we just read it, it would be like, oh man, I can't do those things. then you wouldn't have to get mad at brother so-and-so for coming and telling you, hey, brother, the Bible says you can't do those things. The accountability. That's why Jesus cried out, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets. You despise the men I send, and you kill them. Because they preach something that you don't like. And because their preaching doesn't tickle your ears, you stone them. You kill them, you kick them out. And Jesus, he breaks and he's like, oh, oh, how I would like to gather you like a hen, gathers his little chickies. I would love to just take you in. But every time I bring the word of the Lord, you kill the prophets, you despise it. But if you would only listen, you get to be one of the little chickies underneath the wing in peace and joy. And happiness. And then you experience this life called more abundantly. And I'm not talking with money and blessings. Because the world has those things. You know what the world doesn't have in the midst of no money? No blessings. No peace. No joy. The Lord says he come to give you joy, peace abundantly. Whether you have or whether you have not. No one can take that from me. I don't care what kind of argument you can come up with to try to deny. I know. You know how I know? I know, I know, I know because he's changed me in here. It's a real thing. Like Jesus is real. I know. It'd be kind of like if you were blind and then someone taught, touched you and you could see. <laughs> That's like, how did you heal you? I don't know. I was blind and now I can see. <laughs> right? That's in Matthew and Luke. It's like, it's almost so childish. Like he rubbed dirt on my eyes. The foolish things of this world to confound the wise. What do you mean? He didn't do LASIK? No, I touched him. I touched him. Then he says, then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in these books. The sea gave up the dead. Who were in it and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them and they were judged each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were then cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death and anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. That nowhere in that thing sounds pleasant. Not ever. And in the book of Leonard Ravenhill, he tells this story of a man in England who was on death row. And the chaplain was behind him. You know how they read it? And the scripture says, "Uh, uh, do you have any last words? And the man on death row said, you know what, chaplain, I do have a last word. If I believed what you say you believe, England could be covered in glass and I would crawl on my hands and knees to save one soul from the depths of the hell in which you preach. My heart broke. My heart broke. Because sometimes we can preach with no love. Sometimes we can throw a rock without any true compassion. And passion for lives. Sometimes we pray without any desire to see things changed. And if we believe that, wouldn't we crawl? If your son or your daughter was running into a street and they were about to get hit by a semi truck, what would you do to save their life? Well, they're gonna learn their own hard way. But we do that to people in the church, right? Oh, I see that brother going down the wrong road. I'd hate to offend him. He'll learn. I'll pray that the Holy Spirit just tells him. Well, maybe the Holy Spirit's telling you to tell him. Maybe the Holy Spirit is convicting our lives right now. Maybe he's speaking to us right now. He says in Hebrews 3 and 4, Do not harden your hearts. Like in the day of unbelief, wisdom calls. A prophet of the Lord blows the trumpet, a warning of what's to come. If you've been saved from what's to come, start blowing the trumpet, start reaching out for the lost. Jonathan Edwards wrote a skit. I don't know if any of you heard of Jonathan Edwards. And when I saw it, I'm like, what the heck am I doing? Because in this thing, there was this like dock like this. It was a dock. And so pretend all of you guys are in the water drowning. Right. And Jesus is in there trying to pull people out. Right? He's in the midst of this wicked storm that we were talking about. People are drowning and they're dying. And he's trying to pull them out. And Jesus is doing everything he can. And he's yelling to us who he's already pulled out to help him out and help pull these people out. But what we're doing is we're on our cell phones. I'm working out. taking the next trip, on the vacation. I'm not saying that these things are bad, but you better believe it's bad if the Lord's calling you to go rescue someone and you're ignoring the call to do these vacation things because this life is not our home. If it is, I don't want to stay here forever. This place is sick. We live in a fallen and corrupted world, do we not? Can we not see that on every street corner? Can we not see? Have you ever been to a public school lately? I'm a recruiter. I'm there every day. And it's like, Lord, have mercy. Have mercy. And so that's what the Lord's searching for, folks, is for a man and a woman to stand in the gap, to pray for mercy, to pray for healing. And that'll say, here I am, Lord. Send me. One more scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, 9 through 11. I don't want you to think that like this is Mike Stone's message, because this definitely is not. This is not about us. It's about God and the kingdom of God. But this is what Paul has to say. Paul is saying this to the church of Corinth. Corinthians 5, 9 through 11. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. But we are known to God, and I also trust are well-known in your consciences." If you are known to God right now and you know the terror that is to come for people who not yet know Him, then I urge you, I urge you to start praying, to start preaching, to start living a life filled in victory so that maybe that little light that you shine can change the life of another. And if you once had that vision, That Isaiah had. And you once saw God lift it up. But you've compromised a little bit in your life. And you know where it is. I urge you to surrender it today. And get that fire back in your bosom. Get that peace back in your soul. And don't allow nothing to hold you back. From the abundant joy that you have. That comes from serving the almighty king of kings. The heaven declares his glory y'all. The heaven. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Let us be people that announce his glory, who live lives of that glory.